The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I got an email the other day from the United Nations Compensation Payment Unit, New York. The subject line read, 3.5 million UN compensation payments slash are you dead or alive? Three question marks. And here's the well-written, personal, and 100% legit-sounding email they sent me, accompanied by somebody more talented than myself tickling the ivories for a little dramatic effect. Attention Beneficiary. Scam Victims Compensation Payment. Please be informed that your long-awaited compensation funds payment in the tune of $3.5 million has finally been approved, but it has also been brought to our notice that a gentleman, two words, by the name Michael Iten has just forwarded a new banking details claiming he is your next of kin and you are dead, so here comes the big question, colon. Did you authorize the above-mentioned name to claim your funds? Are you truly dead or alive? I like how that's... <laughs> Uh, that's an option. You like you could reply back. I'm dead. Is Michael Layton Iten? Oh, it was Layton before. Now it's now it was Iten before. Now it's Layton. Is Michael Layton your next of kin? If no, kindly reconfirm this information and get back to us with the below information for verification, as the wire will be done within 48 hours from this notice. Your name, current home address, country, occupation, telephone number, age, gender. <laughs> Got to verify the gender. We await your urgent response so that we can proceed with your 3.5 million payment. Yours faithfully, this is the best part, Reverend Dr. Johnson Williams. Who's sending this email? The only thing I know for sure is that it isn't someone named the Reverend Dr. Johnson Williams. Who leads with Reverend Doctor? That sounds as idiotic as doctor lawyer or professor teacher. Hi, I'm Professor Fireman Dr. John Jim. Pick one title. Stick with that one. And pick one first name and one last name. Why does this reverend doctor have two last names and no first names? 
I've gotten several emails like this a week, every week, for what feels like at least a decade. Why are these emails always so poorly written? <laughs> Why does none of them ever sound even remotely legit? Does this ever work? Who started this scam? All of this and so, so much more on today's $3.5 million UN edition of Reverend Dr. Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Thanks for tuning in again, Time Suckers. You all suck in the best possible sucking way. Big thanks to at this O'Keefe on Twitter for hitting me up and suggesting the 419 scam and sending me off in the direction of today's time suck. 419 FYI refers to the section of the Nigerian criminal code that detail the deals with the investigation and punishment of this particular type of fraud. Let's get into it. Uh, so here's how the scam works. The 419 scam, uh, also known as the advanced fee scam, uh, it's pretty simple in technique. A scammer reaches out to you with an offer of a large sum of money in exchange for some type of assistance. You know, they're, they're having trouble getting the money released from customs. They need your help. Uh, their assets have been frozen in some part of, part of some banking mishap, and they were told, you know, you were the person they could trust to hold on to their money until they can resolve the current dilemma. It'll be fixed, and then they're, they're more than happy to reward you for your efforts. A distant relative of yours has died, and there was a large inheritance they'd like to make sure that you get. They need to make sure you're... You're not dead. Are you alive or dead? You know, they're just thoughtful like that, you know? And in order to get your hands on the millions they're going to give you, you know, you just have to give them some personal information, you know, just inconsequential stuff like your social security number, mother's maiden name, credit card number, expiration date, security code, bill and address. You know, and they'll just take that information and just, you know, attempt to hack your identity and maybe access your online banking information, maybe rob you blind. Sometimes they need an advance fee. You know, uh, they need you to wire 10000 to them in order to, uh, you know, free the briefcase from those, those pesky, those pesky customs people, you know, because it has $2 million in it. And they'd be happy to split that 50-50 with you if, it just, if they could just get their hands on it. And they just don't know anybody else with that kind of cash laying around. You can trust them. They're a reverend and a doctor. And they have a trustworthy last name uh, as a last name and another trustworthy last name for a first time. First name, the Reverend Dr. Johnson Williams. They are four times as trustworthy as the most trustworthy person you've ever met. So, so how often is this happening? Uh, not surprising uh, to anyone who has an email account. Uh, very, very often. A 2015 study by the Canadian government revealed that 156 million scam emails were sent globally every day. 16 million of those daily emails make it through spam filters. 8 million of those emails are actually opened 800,000 links within those emails are actually clicked, and most surprisingly to me, 8,000 people end up revealing some kind of personal information to the scammers that the scammers can then use to tempt, uh, in an attempt to rob the victim in some form of identity theft or some nefarious financial transaction. I guess after the Is We Getting Dumberest Time Suck episode, I shouldn't be that surprised that this many people are falling for it. Uh, if you're poor and gullible and desperate and un un uh, uneducated enough not to pick up on the poor grammar of the emails and the ridiculous premise that you have a wealthy relative you've never heard of that wants to give you money, you're gonna get, you're gonna get swindled. And that makes me so angry because I guess, I'm guessing the people getting scammed are probably already incredibly disenfranchised. You know, I, I don't see a lot of neurosurgeons, a lot of high ranking execs getting taken in by this, you know, people who, who could actually uh, financially afford to take a big hit. No, I, it's probably someone who's already struggling, you know, someone who's, who's now lost the last 10,000 bucks they have, money that they were saving for retirement. You know, money a family loses when the scammer targets, you know, senile grandma and, you know, takes her inheritance. 
And so I did wonder, like, how much are these people actually getting? Because it doesn't say that in the Canadian thing. Like, how much are they taking? More than I thought, according to an article at uh, geektime.com, citing a report from UltraScan Advanced Global Investigations, Nigerian, Nigerian excuse me, email scams took in a total of $12.7 billion in 2013. Now, after I read into that, uh, read that though, I got to say, it didn't, it didn't seem totally legit to me. And so I dug into UltraScan AGI a little more. Uh, got the feeling that they themselves is a scam. This, te- this tends to be a common thing when you're, when you're researching and Googling like email scammers. Most of the sites you find are just other scammers. It's like a double, it's the double scam. They're looking for people pissed off about getting swindled and they know those people are already fucking gullible. So then those people try and reach out to one of these organizations and in theory is going to get the, the money back from them and they, get <laughs> and they just get hit again. Oh God, dude. can you imagine if you just lost money to one of these scams? And then these guys scammed you out of even more money under the pretense of recovering your initially stolen funds. Like, I try not to seriously advocate murder, but if someone pretended to be a scam protection agency and they scammed you after just being scammed, you should be allowed to kill one employee. Oh, well, when I research further, uh, it seems that a lot of money really is being taken, though. Uh, According to Newsweek, uh, I'm guessing a little more reliable source than UltraScan AGI. Uh, the, The Federal Bureau of Investigations Internet Crime Complaint Center, FBI, I've heard of them tallied 269,422 complaints in 2014, totaling 800,492,073 in losses. Uh, That's according to the report. The center has received 3,175,611 complaints since its establishment in May 2000. Now, the losses compiled in 2014 are likely much lower than the actual Internet crime losses. The report states, quote, only an estimated 15% of the nation's fraud victims report their crimes to law enforcement, while the IC3 estimates less than 10% of victims file directly through www.ic3.gov. So when I look further, uh, confidence fraud slash romance scams, because sometimes these are romantic angle to try and pull off the same type of scam, uh, made up. $86,713,003 worth of 2014 losses. Victims filed 5,883 confidence fraud complaints. According to the FBI, scammers cruise dating websites, chat rooms, social media for personally identifiable information, you know, emails and stuff too. Uh, Obviously use well-rehearsed scripts to attract potential victims. And then they use these scripts, uh, which might involve family tragedies, severe life circumstances uh, in order to get money from their victims. Um... Uh, just for random facts, uh, women filed 4,088 of these complaints. Men filed 1,795. Now, th- now that tends to skew a little bit more because of the romance thing. There was other studies that, that show more men actually are scammed than women uh, by the actual email one. So, so if almost $87 million in losses to some type of 419 scam was reported to the FBI by a little over 7,500 people, and the FBI thinks only 10% report crimes to that agency, that means the FBI thinks roughly $870 million taken in by these scams from a total of over 75,000 people, $11,600 a person. And, and that's U.S. That's not worldwide. That's U.S. Not quite the $13 billion that UltraScan reported, but still a lot, of, a lot of money. Who are these victims? Who's falling for Reverend Dr. Johnson Williams? Esquire. I'm just going to throw that in there. Why not? He likes titles. Uh, well, t- according to a 2015 AOL.com article citing a Stanford study breaking down what typical victims look like, uh, tends to be a white dude. Typical victim of investment fraud is a man. He's educated, financially literate, and white, and he's under some financial pressure. Psychologist Laura Carstensen says, Damn it! I feel like I could be next. 
Uh, desperation makes us do crazy things. As anyone uh, who's waking up next to someone they didn't even meet until they had 10 drinks already understands. Makes sense to me. I think, I think uh, more often than women, men's egos are kind of tied to making money. Like the more we make, the more we have, the more uh, kind of manly we feel oftentimes. And then you get desperate, you just want that feeling back, and then one of these fuckers gets you. Uh, tends to be the young rather than the elderly. That surprised me. Contrary to popular wisdom, younger adults are actually more vulnerable than older people, according to research by Judy Van Wick of the University of Rhode Island and Karen A. Mason of Washington State University in the Journal of Contemporary Criminal Justice. Again, <laughs> sounds way more uh, legit than UltraScan AGI. People 18 to 25 stood a 77% chance of becoming victims compared to people 65 to 75 who had a 44% chance, according to a study. So, uh, you know, we're so quick to assume the elderly, at least I am. I think that's ageism, I guess. Uh, I guess that those stats have a lot to do with life experience. Like the older you get, the more the more you're aware of how people in the world are full of shit. And I and I do I do understand that. Like um, like I remember doing a bar gig in Astoria, Oregon when I first started doing stand up. First started working the road. Uh, it's some Red Lion hotel lounge bar in this little fishing town. It's just truly a hell gig. Like a rough little bar show. Half the people are paying attention. Half the people are just there, you know, having some drinks. You're not even on a stage. You're on a fucking dance floor. And it's followed by I think some karaoke bullshit or some like 80s dance party afterwards (laughs) and after one of these shit shows uh this dude approaches me says he's a development exec for hbo (laughs) and i thought it was like weird that hbo exec would be scouting talent at the red line in astoria oregon but you know i wanted it to be true so bad i was so desperate uh, i kind of believed him you know and he was really kind of talking me up talking me up uh you know wanted to have a drink or something and I, i i i did have enough sense to not do that but I still, but then I remember regretting, I'm like, God, maybe, maybe I should have had a drink with him. God, did I, just, did I just ruin some opportunity with HBO? Like, I remember being really worried about it. And looking back now, it's like, he, there's no fucking way. There's no way he was working for HBO. Dude, he was some, just some douchebag. Uh, that was probably his go-to kind of line each week at the, at the Red Lion Inn. He was just trying to, I don't know, probably trying to sleep with me. You know, I'll never know for sure, you know, what he was. Uh, other than I'm positive he didn't, he didn't have shit to do with HBO. Unless hit by HBO, he meant... Uh, like hunting for butt sex opportunities. Maybe that's another HBO that I wasn't aware of. And yes, butt sex is one word in that acronym. It's the only way it makes sense. So, so I, I, I do kind of get like as you get older, you're, you're like your bullshit detector gets a little more refined. That makes some sense to me. Uh, another thing they said in the study, though, being from Florida puts you at risk. Not surprised by that one. Uh, Florida is the is the top state for consumer fraud complaints, with about a thousand complaints per ten a hundred thousand residents. Excuse me. 1,000 per 100,000, according to a report done uh, by 24-7 Wall Street based on Federal Trade Commission data. And again, not surprised. A lot of weird shit happens in Florida. Like, I love Florida, actually, but it's a super weird place. It seems like whenever you read a headline about U.S. news, about some, somebody getting high on bath salts and eating somebody's face or getting arrested for walking naked and drunk into, like, a Burger King or some over-the-top shit like that, it feels like it's almost always Florida. And and, uh, and another thing is uh, the lonely are victims. The AARP's 2014 report says that 66% of scam victims say that they, quote, often or sometimes feel isolated. How fucking sad is that? Some poor, miserable bastard already alone, down on their luck. They get scammed. Just a couple more turds tossed into the shit sandwich they were already choking down through their sad life. And they don't even have somebody to talk to about it because they're alone. It's a vicious cycle. If I get scammed again. And again, again, that makes sense to me. You know, uh, I know people who just fall for stupid shit because they're fucking sad and lonely. Uh, there was this comic I've known for a while. I'm not going to even reference where he's from or anything, but, but he, he always had these internet girlfriends. 
And it was so obvious. Like, he would talk, spend hours on the phone with them, and it was so obvious to everybody but him that it was the person on the other end of the line was not like the person the person who was in the photos they were being like sent like you remember he showed me a photo one time of his, the, the supposed girlfriend and he, and he would even like call her his girlfriend they'd never met and uh and it was clearly like one of those photos that you see that comes with the frame in the store like if you went to target and bought a frame and it you know, and if one happened to have like a, a photo already in it that was already of just like just one woman it was like it was that photo it was clearly like like a little airbrushed um obviously not like a candid cell phone shot <laughs> that was one of the pictures he had of her and i immediately was like dude it's probably not even a woman it's probably some dude in his fucking basement fucking t- talking he has a feminine voice and he's and he's got you catfished because you're so goddamn desperate it is sad but i know i'm making fun of it also those people just i like like i'll, I'll read things like this and have a moment of like who the fuck would fall for this and then i'll remember people i've met in life like oh uh, that dude that that's that's who would fall for this so, so you know, it makes some sense to me. And 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 here's what I wondered. This is what I wondered uh, for years on this. This is the most uh, exciting piece of research I found from this episode. I always wondered, like, why are people falling for these scams when they are so poorly written? Like, like so, like, how do you not pick up on that? And I did feel a little bit clever when I found the answer to this question because it, it was what I hoped it to be. Um. You know, because part of me also just thought, well, maybe, you know, these Nigerians just kind of speak in broken English and that's the, their emails reflect those speech patterns. But then I was like, yeah, but if they're, if they're taking the time to do this, wouldn't they also take the time to kind of mirror how we speak over here? It just didn't totally make sense. Excuse me. Uh, that just came out of nowhere. Well, in 2012, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft, Microsoft, it's a new company uh, that sounds super legit. It's Microsoft Computers. I just gave them $10,000. No, in 2012, Microsoft Research released a paper looking at why the Nigerian or 419 scam in particular has persisted over the years, and they found that um, uh, basically because such a large group of web you know, users have been trained to recognize that scam, the small portion of people that don't are more likely to ignore the red flags, such as horrible grammar, and send money. So, uh, you know, a craftier email, a more well-written email, may it get the attention of more people. Many of those people would turn out to be, like, false positives who eventually realize it's a scam and cut contact. But if you can, <laughs> if you can make the email so poorly written that whoever doesn't fall for that keeps talking to you, there's a good chance you're going to get them money. And that is it's, – it's sick, but that's fucking genius. Makes so much sense. If the name Reverend Dr. Johnson Williams doesn't give you pause – you're exactly the kind of person who's going to send a stranger money. <laughs> like, this made the entire uh, time suck for this topic worthwhile to me. You know, again, I just wonder for so long uh, why these why these emails are written that way, and uh, and, and it may also helps explain why. I remember one time I, I started trying to go back at these people with equally poorly written emails just to kind of mess with them, like actually even more over the top and exaggerated than their emails, and they never fell for it. They never. What did happen is it pissed them off. And I started getting like five, ten of these emails an hour for like, I don't know, two months or something. It took forever to, to figure out my spam filter and clean all that shit up. So I would recommend don't, don't harass them that way. Uh, they're, they're not as dumb as they appear to be. So th- this is another interesting thing I found in this time suck is the history of this scam. Like, like I wondered, like, how long has this been going on? I thought it was just a thing that happened with the invention of email. Like, I, I just figured it started kind of the mid-90s. I don't know why. I never really 
question why it was coming from Nigeria as well. Well, it turns out it goes back way farther than that. The history of the advanced fee scam in its current form uh, goes at least as far back as the aftermath of the French Revolutionary War at the end of the 18th century in the late 1790s. And it was, uh, it was a letter, and it would typically go something like this, according to this Boston Globe article I read. And the letter uh, addressed to you would arrive describing some aristocrat in exile, say, you know, the Marquis de Blanc, who, in escaping from revolutionary violence, had thrown a chest full of jewels into a lake. His faithful servant, now writing this heartfelt letter, had come back to retrieve it and unfortunately ended up in prison. Oh, dadnabbit. With just a little help from you, a fellow Frenchman, to aid in the servant's bail or escape, you'd earn a portion of the loot. Ah, that's a word that doesn't get said enough anymore, loot. Uh, and just like in today's emails, you know, this ridiculous scheme actually worked. Uh, of a hundred such letters sent by French con confidence tricksters, uh, 20 were always answered, wrote uh, Eugene Vidoc, a 19th century French criminal turned detective. Well, uh, I, I've also heard the 419 scam, the advance fees, described as a Spanish prisoner scam online. So I looked into that. Uh, here's how it got that name. Uh, a century after the French Revolutionary War, the scam became even more popular than ever when it was used in the U.S. during the Spanish-American War. Havana and Madrid offered the perfect setting for the letter's promises. Uh, remote, but not inaccessible. Exotic, but recognizable. And full of mercenaries, adventurers, and corrupt officers. A detailed daily presence in the pages of Pulitzer's and Hertz newspapers. The war provided an ideal context for the story of a military man imprisoned in Spain with money concealed in the U.S., say a uh, shipment of Cuban gold, for example, that he could recover, but only with your help. So this shit's been going on for a while. And so uh, uh, why did it end up in Nigeria? Well, the scam never totally went away after the Spanish-American War. Uh, it lived on uh, around the world in letter form, you know, he, he used here and there, and finally arriving in Nigeria in the 1980s, uh, a period of tremendous... I'm sorry. Actually, actually, it was it was before the 1980s. Uh, it got very popular in the 80s. Actually, arrived in Nigeria in the 1920s. But in the 80s is when it exploded. There was uh, a period of tremendous economic upheaval in that country. Over 75 percent of the government's income, almost 90 percent of the nation's gross domestic product, that GDP, uh, at the time was based on oil revenue. And when oil prices plummeted in the 80s, the nation's economy collapsed, leaving a very corrupt government in charge. And millions fighting their survival, doing whatever they needed to do to bring in some money, including scamming people. Uh, during the 80s, millions of paper, 419 letters, millions of them, were sent using counterfeit postage all over the world. And so like the Revolutionary War and the Spanish-American War, uh, the con fit the context. Victims could be expected to know about the easy money circulating through corrupt oil money having Nigeria. Uh, they, 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 this is a place they'd heard of with you know, feather-bedded uh, development contracts and ministerial slush funds. You know, they'd heard about those things in the news, just as they'd known about the military adventures and hidden gold during the Spanish-American War. And, and maybe unlike uh, other war-torn or economically collapsed countries, Nigeria had been primed for this scam because it, it already had a long history of doing it, going back, as I said just uh, moments ago, uh, to the 1920s. Uh, the first documented Nigerian 419 scam goes all the way back to 1920, written by P. Krenstel and... Uh, and, and, and I don't know why exactly this stuff at the same time wasn't going on in other African countries. I mean, uh, Nigeria does have a very long history of governmental corruption. Uh, maybe, maybe that's part of it. Certain things just kind of settled in different parts of the world for, for whatever reasons. 
But uh, Krenstel wrote to a contact in the British colony uh, off the Gold Coast, today's Ghana, and he launched into a long description of the magical powers that were in his possession and that could, on payment of a fee, be used to benefit the correspondent. Krenstel signed himself P. Krenstel, Professor of Wonders. Well, this wonder professor, and what a great title, by the way. Uh, wh- what do you do? Uh, I am a professor. What's your area of expertise? Wonder. I have, I have a doctorate in wonder. How, how does that work? Are you wondering how it works right now? <laughs> yes, yes, I got you. Uh, see, I, I made you wonder right there. You, you don't pull that off without a wonder doctorate. Anyways, this P. Krenstel apparently uh, started sending a lot of these letters and eventually was charged with three counts of fraud under the nation's 419 code. And because he was charged in Nigeria, uh, the corrupt police let him off with, with uh, a warning. The chief of police actually said he was so impressed with Professor Wonder's ability to get out of trouble that he must indeed be magical. Man, I, if I ever get arrested for a serious crime, I hope I get arrested by a cop like that. Look, what you did was super fucking illegal. However, I'm impressed by the way you've been trying to talk yourself out of it and also impressed by how many other times you've been pulled over and just let go with a warning. So <laughs> how about another warning? Oh, man, kudos. To, you're, you're good. I like you. I like your style. And when others heard about his scam, uh, the money he was making, the fact that he hadn't, uh, that he didn't uh, get in trouble, you know, he didn't get in trouble, you know, punitively by the, by the police, other people started doing it too. So many people that by the 1940s, the British Department of Posts and Telegraphs, their post service uh, began to intercept mail between Britain and its colonies and Nigeria to check it for requests for money that seemed fraudulent. So this was going on a lot. The Postal Service gets involved and it just keeps going on and on like that. And now you have a culture of older experts training younger scammers and eventually an entire subculture of 419 scammers in Nigeria. And then when the 1980s political upheaval occurs, you know, it's like that subculture was just given a giant shot of criminal adrenaline. And you, and you also have Nigeria's capital, Lagos. Lagos is the largest city in Africa and now one of the largest urban areas in the world with a population of over 21 million people. In 1950, less, uh, less than 300,000 people lived there. That, that's fucking crazy. In 1950, you got under 300,000 now you have over 21 million, and the city was not ready for that kind of explosive growth. According to an article in The New Yorker, less than 1% of those 21 million people have a toilet connected to an actual sewer system. Yikes. I bet that city smells fantastic in a lot of neighborhoods. While there are good neighborhoods and some modern developments, so you do get you know the infrastructure for you know uh, good Wi-Fi in parts of the city, you know, little internet coffee shops and things, in, in the, you know, with, probably with some toilets. Most of it is this huge slum where the police are either non-existent or incredibly corrupt. Uh, many of the immigrants who've moved there did so because, you know, where they lived before in Africa was even fucking worse. So you have an incredibly overcrowded, underfunded, underdeveloped city administered by a series of corrupt leaders who have pillaged the nation who couldn't give a shit about prosecuting scam artists. And that is why the scam remains so firmly embedded in Nigeria today, and, and it's why it's hard to get your money back. You know, the local authorities, they have a lot more to deal with in this crazy Mad Max-type city than email scams. That's going to be super low on their priority list. They don't really give a shit if some Westerner's money uh, is being taken by the Reverend Dr. Johnson Williams. Well, had it not been for this topic, I I don't know that I ever would have researched Lagos. Uh, What an insane Mad Max-type of city it really is. (laughs) This is, I want to share some more details about life there. This is from a December 2nd, 2016 article in U.S. News and World Report. Quote, Africa's largest city has been on fire since November 9. Remember, it's a December 2nd report, and this is November 9. Since November 9. That night, a fire broke out in the waterfront community of Adodo Gabame in Lagos. Residents called the police, who responded not with fire trucks, but with a bulldozer and and more fire. 
I know it's not funny, but it's just so ridiculous. Oh, there's a fire in the slums. Should we get the fire trucks? No, 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 no. Let's uh, let's get some gas. Let's let's really kick this thing into high gear. The state-sponsored destruction of Adodo Gabame occurred notwithstanding an injunction issued two days earlier ordering that no demolitions occur absent due process of law and adequate compensation. Today, Adodo Gabame is gone. 30,000 people are homeless, sleeping in canoes or temporary shelters. There are nine confirmed deaths, including two sets of mothers and infants who rushed into the water to escape the flames and drowned. Health consequences included severe burns, typhoid, and diarrhea caused by lack of portable water or potable water and sanitation. The governor of Lagos State, Akinwimi Abamudu, uh, has stated that the slums of Lagos, like Otoro Gabame, are occupied merely by a few sets of people who come into Lagos illegally. This is demonstrably false. Public international organizations like the United Nations and independent fact-finders such as Amnesty International have all found at least 30,000 have been displaced in Otoro Gabame alone. At least 1.1 million inhabitants of Lagos live in a slum or informal settlement. Can you imagine the public uproar if that happened in the U.S. or some other developed nation? If the government just set fire, just fucking burned and bulldozed a neighborhood full of projects in like Chicago or New York City, Skid Row in L.A.? It's, it's another world over there. Like, no wonder people have no respect for the law or their government and could care less about scamming. I mean, I mean, they're living in a living hell over there. And, and it really is so corrupt. Check out these stats. According to Vice President for Africa of the World Bank, Dr. Obi uh, Ezekwesili, someone with only one title and only one last name, while oil accounted for about 90% of the value of Nigeria's exports, over 80% of that money ended up in the hands of 1% of the population. Ah, the rich get richer, man. And over $400 billion of the nation's oil revenue has either been stolen or misappropriated since Nigeria gained independence in 1960. That's a lot of fucking money. Sounds like a great place to be a shady accountant. I mean, who's going to notice you embezzling, uh, embezzling 10 grand here and there, you know, maybe 50 grand here and there, if they're used to losing billions? So, you know, when you live in a country that burns down its poorest citizens' uh, uh, neighborhoods, puts nearly all of its income in the hands of only the wealthiest citizens, has an insanely cl- corrupt police force, uh, on that note, tons of articles from human rights slash watchdog groups about widespread bribery, violence, and rapes committed by Nigerian police officers, of course no one's going to care about scams. If you're witnessing extreme, absolute poverty, as it's described, cruelty by the hands of your own government, and widespread corruption on a daily basis, and you meet a network of people who know how to take some cash from foreigners, foreigners that you'll never have to see, I think most people are going to be like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Why not take money of some asshole living across the world who, even if I rob him blind, is still going to have an air-conditioned apartment, still won't have to worry about starving, being beaten, fuck him. Part of me definitely gets that. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So... Who are some of these actual scammers? Who are these people? Well, I found, a, just besides, you know, uh, criminals, I found a cool website called motherjones.com. It's a, it's a nonprofit site dedicated to sociopolitical journalism. And that sounds important. Has a bit of a vice feel, maybe not quite the edge. You know, they put mother in the title to soften it up a bit, you know. Mom's, mom's watching out for your social justice. And one of, the, and one of their journalists, Erica Eichelberger, a woman with, most, with one of the most unattractive last names I've ever read aloud, well, aren't you looking sexy as fuck, Mrs. Eichelberger? Hmm, that's a, that's, that's a weird sentence. She hung out with a few scammers back in 2014. A couple agreed to talk to her for some money. They wanted $600 to do an interview. <laughs> Love that. Of course they did. Gotta respect their commitment to the game. Ever the scammers. She offered them 100 bucks. They settled on 130 Nice work, Erica. 
Well, the two people she met were living in a nice duplex in an upscale neighborhood uh, and had learned to scam hanging out with other scammers. See, there's the culture there. When they were growing up in a rural village, herding cattle and selling bottled water by the side of the road. What stuck out to me was how prevalent scammers seemed to be. In the interview, they kept referring to like various other scammers they either knew personally or had heard of. You know, legends about this person getting that or this. They referenced how much these people made and how much they, you know, uh, used to make with scams. It was just part of the culture they grew up in. My favorite part was they didn't consider themselves thieves. It's amazing the lives we tell ourselves, isn't it? Uh, the power of human rationalization never ceases to astonish me. Uh, these people, they, they consider them, uh, their scams tricking people. And tricking isn't the same as stealing. Uh-uh. If someone's dumb enough to fall for it, that's on them. I feel like that's the kind of logic a lot of date rapists probably use, you know? They're not, they're not raping anybody. They're just sneaking some penises into people who they've been able to trick. Gross. Well, these scammers make a pretty good living. Uh, in a country where, according to the article, 70% of the population makes less than U.S. $2 a day, a nation of extreme poverty, they each claim to be worth about 6000 bucks. Uh, and uh, each own homes worth roughly, that's like cash they have, uh, and own homes worth roughly 250000 U.S. dollars. And they're both in their mid-30s. And, uh, and they claim to make, uh, actually, this is surprising, most of their money duping other Nigerians. That, that part, that's, that sucks. I thought it was just the Westerners, but, you know, <laughs> Jesus, you're poor, hungry, can't trust anybody, you know, you're a typical Nigerian. Goddamn. Again, though, uh, maybe they don't make as much as they claim. I mean... These are scammers that are being interviewed. It's not like you can trust them. They're, they're quite literally professional liars. And uh, they did also justify their job saying that, the, that they're scammers in the highest levels of the Nigerian government. So basically, like if, they're, if they're doing it, why can't I? And uh, I, I, man, I, 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 do, I do get them. You know, I do. The more I read about this, uh, the less I kind of despise scammers. It's like, yeah, it's shitty what they're doing. But I do get it, uh, partly because I've been to Africa once. I spent a, a month in South Africa, uh, which I love, by the way. And while South Africa, you know, it's a far different country than Nigeria, um, it did give me a little bit of perspective on this article. I, I, like, again, I don't judge them as harshly as I would have if I never would have been there or I never would have went there. Uh, life is just different there. there. There's corruption on that continent in, in general on a scale that we, at least in the U.S., are very unfamiliar with. It's not theoretical. It's, it's in your face. Like here, it's like, oh, I bet the government's stealing this and that. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. You see it directly in Africa, where it's like every everywhere me and the, the four other comics I was working with went in like Johannesburg and Durban and Cape Town. We had armed security with us to protect us from being robbed. Now, I never felt in danger, but but you don't always have armed guards in a place that's truly safe. And, and, and there were safe neighborhoods, but there was also, you know, you saw, even in the good neighborhoods, a shitload of razor wire and Heard security dogs and there was, you know, uh, security is actually one of the one of the main businesses. Personal security in that nation, you know, I uh, I also saw slums in Johannesburg and, and, and Cape Town, unlike anything I've ever seen in this country. Not sure how they compared to the Lagos slums, but I don't think you'd get much worse than what I saw. I mean, I saw uh, a few places, uh, a few pieces of like flat tin, excuse me, for for a roof, cinder blocks for walls, no electricity, no running water, crammed in with tens of thousands of other, you know homes that you'd be embarrassed to call your shed here in the states and millions live like that millions die like that die of curable diseases malnutrition violence you know theft is often a crime of the desperate and i saw a lot of fucking desperation there and a lot of corruption i remember one morning after a night of going to a club in joburg this australian comic uh told me that he and this this girl who drove him home they got pulled over he got he he, he said he got so scared because all of a sudden several officers approached the car screaming at them and machine guns drawn and pointed at them. He's losing his shit. She's totally calm. She grew up there. 
uh, she knew they just wanted a bribe. Sure enough, uh, and, she, and she, I guess, was drunk. Sure enough, uh, she rolls down her window um, and just gives them some cash and just bribes them. And then they just go about their, their day. And uh, sorry about that, uh, that, that barking. Uh, this episode I'm, I'm trying to record while my, my puppy is in the house. And old Penny doesn't give a shit about podcasts. That's one of the, her least interested subjects is podcasts. Turns out dogs uh, don't care for them at all. But anyway, this, this girl, she just, she just gives them cash, and they just, uh, they, just, they just left. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine living like that? Yeah. So now we know that these emails come from Africa. We know who's sending them and, and why they're sending them. A couple more questions to answer. Does anyone get their money back from these scams? Uh, and what do you do if your money is taken? Well, uh, this is a short answer. You don't get your fucking money back ever. Not ever. I mean, I'm sure someone somehow may have gotten a tiny bit back, but I can't find a single example in doing a lot of research. I mean, I, I, I don't know. The people who did it may get arrested, but, but even then, you're not getting your money. So basically, just don't get caught up in this. Odds are you'll never find out who took your money, let alone ever get it back. Accept that it's gone, and just don't waste more your, more your life on this fool's errand. Don't get caught up by UltraScan AGI. Who watch watch there? They tend to be a totally legit organization. Then sue me for defamation. Uh, while you can't get your money back, some people have figured out a way to get back at some uh, some of the scammers in a different way, and it's called scam baiting. I remember hearing about this on a, uh, um, this American Life episode years ago. It's very entertaining. Basically, uh, which is an NPR show, if you don't know, but scam baiting is when you try to scam the scammer, and it's I, <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's like. Uh, you respond to the initial email in a way that makes you sound willing and gullible, but don't go over the top like I did. You know, don't just, you know, like if they come at you with Reverend Doctor, don't come back at them with like fire, fireman, Reverend Doctor, Forest Ranger. Uh, <laughs> just seem genuinely interested in their offer. And then you try to get them to lose money while trying, uh, while they're trying to get your money. Like, you know, like you, you could say like, you know, I, like you'd love to give them $10,000 to deal with a lawyer who needs that in order to, to cover the fees incurred in releasing the $2 million to you and them. Uh, you know, you're going to split a course. You know, who wouldn't want to pay 10000 for a million? That sounds, that sounds great. Sounds almost too good to be true. But you're going to do it, but you just you can't do an electronic transfer. You just don't feel comfortable with that. And it turns out you're actually heading to Nigeria. And so you're, you're heading there anyway, and you, and you got an aunt over there, and you just want to give them the money in person. No big deal. You're excited. So you pick a time and a place, somewhere a few hours from where they live, so they, you know, they have to take a little trip to get there, maybe somewhere dangerous if you feel especially cruel to put them in harm's way. And you have, you have family there. You have your aunt, and you can't wait to meet them. Yeah, you gave them a cell phone number for them to call. They show up at the meeting place, and total bummer. Your aunt fell down and was rushed to the hospital. Oh, man, you're with her right now, and, and you know what? You, you, you're going to have to meet them the next day. That's, that's it. You know, they should just stay the night there. You'll be there the next day. Just hold on. You got your ten grand in your briefcase. You're bringing it tomorrow. Hold your horses, Dr. Reverend Johnson Williams. So to help cover their expenses, uh, you're willing to give them $20,000, right? You're going to sweeten the deal. And then uh, just hold on for that one more day, uh, okay? And then when they text you the next day from the drop spot, ah, shit. Your stupid aunt was transported back to the original location. You were confused. Ah, she, if she could just die and get it over with, it would be so much easier. She's not even your favorite aunt. Can, can, can they meet at the previous spot? And you just do that over and over again and make up these stories, and you just try to get them to spend as much of their money as possible. And, uh, and that's what, that, that's what I uh, listened to on that This American Life episode. These guys had these poor scammers. I say poor, fuck them, uh, bouncing all over the place. I mean, I wanted to feel bad. Some people felt bad. I remember about that episode. There was a little controversy about it. 
Uh, like, is that okay to do? I think as bad as, as things are over there, they are still trying to take your money. So I feel like it's that live by the sword, die by the sword, you know? It's like I'm not going to feel any worse for a scammer getting scammed than I do about a pedophile getting, you know, entrapped by Chris Hansen. All right. So now we got a, we got a good feel for the old uh, 419, the old advanced fee scam. It's time for some top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, pay extra attention to something that feels like a scam, even if you're a young, lonely white man under a lot of financial pressure living in Florida. You could not be more psychologically primed for someone to take advantage of you. Number two, you don't get your money back. Actually, most of the websites I came across that advertised themselves as a service whose specialty was to get your money back looked like another scam themselves. So cut your losses, accept that you are, in fact, an extremely gullible ding-dong dipshit, and move on with your sad life. Number three, you may not want to move to Lagos, Nigeria, and if you already live there, you should think about moving out. You should think really hard about even setting foot in Nigeria. Uh, the U.S. State Department warns about frequent pirate attacks in the ocean around Nigeria, staying away from crowded public places such as churches, mosques, the airport, shopping centers, nightclubs, and every other place you would go to sightsee or have a good time because of terrorist attacks and extremist groups like Boko Haram. And they also say there's a good chance you'll be kidnapped, robbed, beaten, and or killed in the other parts of the country. And if you're still thinking ahead in there, they added not so many words that if something bad does happen to you over there, tough shit. They warned you, not a lot they can do about it. I mean, odds are, statistically, you'd probably still be fine if you head over there or if you live there, but it still doesn't make it a good idea. It's like not using a condom on a one-night stand. Statistically, you probably won't get an STD or end up with a baby, but no one in their right mind thinks you're making a solid life choice. Number four. That email promising you loads of money is too good to be true every fucking time. You know no one who's gotten a random email that they weren't expecting promising them loads of money from someone they never met who actually got that money. And you never will because it won't happen ever. Doesn't matter how down on your luck or lonely you are, strangers don't give you large sums of money. And they especially don't take some of your money to give you that more money. And finally, number five, while I don't approve of email scamming and I want to feel morally superior to the people doing it, I also haven't grown up in Nigeria. Seems like a pretty shitty place to be a kid. Recent BBC report found that over 60% of the country was living in, quote, absolute poverty. What a horrible term. Absolute poverty. As in, you can't get more impoverished. You can't be more poor. In certain regions of the country, absolute poverty rates are over 85%. It has one of the highest murder rates in the world. 20 out of every 100,000 people are murdered, worse than Chicago, uh, which has you know, made headlines for being an especially murderous part of this country. Terrorist group Boko Haram regularly kidnaps children, does things like that, blows up places. Uh, you remember headlines about them taking nearly 300 young girls from a school in 2014. Over 200 are still missing. They terrorize villages, murdered thousands. Apparently many of the police officers there are corrupt and somewhat rapey. Came across a lot of articles referencing women being raped by the Nigerian police. Hard to be a worse police officer than that. Officer, I've been robbed. Well, you've been robbed. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that. Robbery's about to be the least of your problems. Yikes. If I grew up in absolute poverty, had a few uh, you know, friends murdered, had some family members kidnapped by terrorists, knew a few girls raped by the police, I think I'd be okay with making some email money off of somebody dumb enough to not think it's weird for someone to refer to themselves as a reverend doctor. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Well, now you know all you ever needed to know about those Nigerian emails you've been getting. You also know I have a dog named Penny. <laughs> uh, 
And so we don't uh, leave this episode on a down note about poverty, abuse, rape, and corruption. Let's take a second to remember how goddamn funny these emails can be. If you don't click on them and lose any money, they can really put a smile on your face. You know, maybe you're having a bad day. With their ridiculous promises and broken English, always made better by a dramatic piano melody. This message just came in as I was finishing my research, and I, and I hope it makes you smile as hard as it made me smile. It touches on so many of the things we've touched on in this podcast. From Mr. Ibrahim Mustafa Magoo. Subject, Mr. Ibrahim Mustafa Magoo, Chairman of the EFCC. I am Mr. Ibrahim Mustafa Magoo, the Chairman of Economic and Financial Crime Commission, EFCC. EFCC, in alliance with Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, with head office here in Nigeria, we have been working towards the eradication of fraudsters and scam artists in the western part of Africa with the help of United States government and the United Nations and some corrupt official administrators, Mr. Ibrahim Lamord, has been sacked, who happened to be the former EFCC chairman. We have been able to track down so many of the scam artists in various parts of West African countries, which includes Nigeria, Republic of Benin, Togo, Ghana, Cameroon, and Senegal. Lots of misspellings here, so many. And they are all in our custody here in Lagos, Nigeria. We have been able to recover so much money from these scam artists. The United Nation Anti-Crime Commission and the United States government have ordered the money recovered from the scammers to be shared among a hundred lucky people around the globe. What a nice round number. Just a hundred lucky people. The email is being directed to you because of your email address was found in one of the scam artists' file and computer hard disk in our custody here in Nigeria. It comforts me to hear the word Nigeria repeated so many times. And with the information gathered... When the, with the information gathered, yeah, I think you may gathered from this scam artist, you noticed that you have been scammed of so much money. I, I actually didn't notice that at all, and have decided to compensate you with a little token to recover the loss of your fund. You are therefore being compensated with a total sum two point five million dollars. We have also arrested all who claim they are barristers, bank officials, inheritance, lottery claim agents who has money for transfer or want you to be next of kin of such funds which does not exist thank god someone's finally not just trying to scam me and whose job title is inheritance since your name appeared among the lucky beneficiaries we who will receive a compensation of us 2.5 million why am i doing a weird european accent we have made arrangement to register in online banking through our global bank where you will have full access to your online banking account fund to transfer your fund personally to your private bank account with no complication of things or questioning. Thank God if there was going to be complication of things, I was out of here. As the account will be fully registered in your name, feel free to contact the processing officer, Miss Esther Emanuel, all caps, the online banking processing it is made much easier for you to transfer your fund to your private bank account personally to avoid any delay or complication of things. With this online banking transfer processing, you can transfer the maximum amount of U.S. 500000 daily slash install mentally until the total amount of your comp <laughs> compensated slash deposited fund is transferred and completely paid to you. Hmm. I, I, would, I didn't feel comfortable giving $500,000, but if I could do it mentally, 
If I can just transfer it with my mind, I'm open to it. And also, if you choose to receive your payment via ATM card, it's still accepted. So get back to her with your choice payment. We guarantee your safety and wish you the best of luck. Oh, okay. It's guaranteed, so maybe it is legit. Best regard, Mr. Ibrahim Mustafa Magu, Chairman, Economic and Financial Crime Commission, EFCC, Foreign Operations Department, Lagos, Nigeria. Oh, thank God. There's so many words there. It makes me comforted. Well, that, well, that's it. That's it, you guys. And thanks for listening. Uh, thank you for all the wonderful reviews again, too, on iTunes. And for telling your friends about the podcast, the word is spreading. Uh, I love all the emails, especially about just people being excited to just uh, learn something in a fun way. You know, learn some random trivia. I had uh, somebody email me. Sorry, I'm blanking your name about uh, they, they, they share, the, they listen to the podcast with their frat brothers and then all like kind of discuss it afterwards, which I just think is fucking awesome. And uh, and also a lot of people have been uh, on the comment boards under the episodes dropping comments on timesuckpodcast.com and people have added their own information, further information about certain episodes. So so check that out. Uh, you can find more stuff sometimes. And and finally, you know, go check out some tour dates at dancummins.tv. Head to timesuckpodcast.com uh, for links to the tour dates also. If you want to go through there, you can find out when I'm coming near your city. And uh, Mr. Ibrahim Mustafa Magoo and Reverend Dr. Johnson Williams, if you're listening over there in Lagos, stay safe and thanks for the laughs. Have a great week, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.